Confused. I'm your host, Heather Evans. This week on the show, we're going to do something a little different. Given that the 9th Congressional District is up for election this year in 2022, I don't know if everyone else has noticed, but we have a bunch of candidates that have tried to throw their name in the hat for that. We have a Republican challenger, maybe. (laughs) We have a Democratic challenger. We even have an independent candidate. And all three of those individuals have been on the show before. So today I have invited a panel of people to just chat about what they think about this race. Is there going to be a race? What's happening? So the three people that I've invited on are Brandon Moore, who is a welder and photographer from Russell County. You know him because he's been on the program a couple times already. I've also invited on Caitlin Parton and Bryson Robertson. They're both students at UVA Wise. Both of them are political science majors, and Bryson actually is a double major with the Administration of Justice, and they're both juniors. So welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for having us. So let me start off by just, I don't know, we're going to have this conversation what the heck is happening in the ninth district? <laughs> what the heck is happening is right. We have all these challengers coming up, and then we have the incumbent who is going to blow them out of the water in Southwest Virginia. But we have the challengers of Kimberly Lowe, Tasha Devon, and then Elijah Cordell, who um, apparently has dropped completely out of the race. But uh, <laughs> Elijah, he never really said much other than he was going to run for Congress. Um, Taisha, did she get the, the signatures or not? Who counts the signatures to verify that? And then with Kimberly, apparently she didn't get the signatures um, so far. So right now it's up in the water. Um, but. Yeah. I, so just as an update, the there are, um, as Brandon mentioned, there are three people who were hoping to challenge Morgan Griffith for this seat. Um, one of them which you mentioned was Elijah Cordell. He came on the show as a as like an independent candidate. Um, in my opinion, he leans more left than right, but he's running as an independent. You have um, Tasha Devon, who also came on the show and is running as a Democrat. She um, lives in uh, Wise County. And then you've got um, Kimberly, Kimberly Lowe, which has been the most interesting candidate so far. Uh, Caitlin, what do you think about Kimberly Lowe and and her like what what's happening with Kimberly Lowe? Um, well, she is uh, definitely an interesting candidate. Uh, one thing that I have really tried to pay attention to are the candidate's social media presence. And let me tell you what, Kimberly Lowe has got a social media presence. Um, I've really tried to keep up with the things that she's posting on Twitter, but not only is she posting on Twitter, she's posting on Facebook. She's, I guess, appealing to the young people by posting on TikTok. Um, But she has posted about everything. Um, She has not stopped at one issue. I feel like if there is something going on, she's got a way to address it. But the first thing that I think about when I think of Kimberly Lowe, I think of Trump. And I, the way she tweets just makes me think of things that President Trump said or, or did, you know, I just, I don't know about it, but, uh, you know, right now she's, she's going on about uh, the establishment. The establishment is, uh, as she quoted in her last video, uh, a big arm of, I don't even know what, um, 
but it, it seems like she's just got somebody else to blame for what seems to be her not getting enough valid signatures. Yeah, so Caitlin just mentioned that uh, Kimberly at last count. So on Tuesday, something really wild happened here. Um, I logged on to Facebook and I actually saw a message from Brandon who had sent over uh, from the Washington County Republican Party. They had announced that Morgan Griffith is the, is the nominee. And that was a shock to me. And it turns out that it was a shock to her as well. She had no idea. She was about to speak in front of a group of Republicans. And it turned the, the one person who's in charge of the ninth district here had called that committee and said, she's not allowed to speak at your meeting. And then they had, they told her that. And so I think probably the video you saw, Caitlin, was where she was reacting to that news. Now, both of you, um, well, actually all three of you, we've talked about social media some. Brandon, you've had some interesting, <laughs> interesting experiences with Kimberly Lowe. Well, if you remember correctly, um, Kimberly actually came on the show as a result of me poking the bear, I guess you could say, with her. Um, she was at the time posting on her Facebook about being in Texas uh, when she's running as a ninth district, you know, congressional candidate. Uh, she was in Texas at the border with her butterfly stuff, and uh, so I went and I started poking her. I was like, "Hey, you want to do something about the Bristol landfill? Or while you're at it, maybe you should go on on Dr. Evans' show or go visit her class." And uh, she comes back at me with, uh, "I would like to meet you in person." Well, I'm, I'm not going to meet her in person after the butterfly accident, you know. Um, so she decides to come on your show, but then next thing I know, I'm blocked on Facebook. Um, so, of course, I take to Twitter and I say a few things on Twitter where she's complaining about not getting enough uh, donations while riding around on a Trump bus, you know, $5 a gallon diesel, uh, but you don't have enough donations. Next thing you know, I'm blocked on Twitter. The only thing I'm not blocked on currently is TikTok, and I'm guaranteeing I'll be there soon. After the show comes out. Uh, <laughs> anyways. So you mentioned the Trump bus and Caitlin, you, you, you said she reminds you of Trump and she's right around on a Trump bus. She did talk to me this morning. She is suing, by the way, she, um, her last messages to me specifically about that is that she has filed a writ at the Supreme court of Virginia. Uh, she sent me a copy of it and it's specific specifically about the signatures. So on Tuesday night, she was told she does not have enough signatures and since that point forward, that's what she's been talking about. Now, Bryson, I want to turn to you a little bit about the Democratic challenger here. So Taysha Devon, what do we know about her? Well, I think with Taysha uh, running as a Democratic challenger, she's going to face a lot of problems already, um, just because the majority of voters in this area, I would say, are Republican. Um, I think that she had a problem with the way her campaign is being ran. Um, there's not enough of that social media presence. Um, and the other thing is with the whole from here for here, um, I think that being able to appeal to the local people, especially, and knowing a familiar face goes a long way. Um, and with the top issues, I know that we talked about for environmental reasons. Um, I think that that's something that people still feel very strongly about here. Because um, this was a call economy, and this is what things were ran on for a long time. And so I'm not saying that we should not move to a more environmentally sound way of doing things, but that's just not been the way it's been done. So that, that was a, for her to lead off with that topic, I think that, that was just really, it, it took a lot from her to do that. I, I think that that would be good in a different location. 
um, just right now it's not time for that. So if she could have found a way to appeal to some other issues or topics, um, I think she would have had a much better shot at running. And Caitlin, you met her in my class as well. What, what did you think about her as, as a candidate? Um, well, as a person, I thought she was a very nice lady. I uh, enjoyed uh, meeting her and getting to talk to her. But as a candidate, all I heard was environmental issues. I didn't hear anything else. And I think that there are more things that you have to deal with in that position than just talking about the environment. Like, you know, like Bryson said, I think <clears throat> it is an issue, but I don't think that's how we deal with things in this area. And I just feel like, you know, as a class, we wanted to hear her positions on everything and she didn't have much else to say. I understand. So when I think about her running um, and her candidacy, there's a lot to kind of unpack there. I mean, she's running in a district, as you said, Bryson, that's very Republican or very right-leaning. So she's going to face challenges there. Um, in terms of the issue positions that she has, it I am not quite sure what she has been highlighting at meetings. I do know that she's going to lots of meetings with lots of Democrats. Um, so different committees, she's meeting with them, she's getting signatures and all of that. And by the way, we have not been told at this time, and, and we're filming this on the 15th of April, we've not been told if she gained the, the correct number of signatures. So we will see if she does become the candidate. Um, but I, I didn't hear um, additional, or I haven't heard additional policy positions either. And um, I'd like to hear them. I would definitely like to hear them. I think a lot of people would like to hear them. Brandon, what do you think about that, that candidate? So out of the three. Oh boy, with Tasha. Um, Tasha's got a lot of problems, actually. Number one would be the from here for here. She's from Oklahoma. And if you go through her personal media, which you should have scrubbed to begin with, um, she has a lot about Oklahoma. She talks more about Oklahoma than she does here. And it kind of gives the illusion that she thought she couldn't win in Oklahoma. So she comes here to run to try to get that, that national presence from being a congressperson, you know? So... You have that, then you have her running on the, the faith. And once again, if you go through her social media, she has a post attacking other faiths um, other than her own. That doesn't fly here. You know, you have a very big um, evangelical Christian base here in Southwest Virginia. If you're going to attack other faiths, including theirs, you're, you're going down the wrong hole then, of course, you have, like you said, she doesn't really seem to talk much about any other environmental causes than coal. You know, speaking as someone who, uh, from a previous job, was a welder and worked at um, a coal mining company making, making equipment for coal mines, coal is life here. We are one of the poorest districts in the whole country. There's only, I think, 59 or so that are actually poorer than us. But what we do have here is we have coal and that's how people survive. So if, you're, if your whole platform, of which she doesn't have much of a platform to begin with, um, if your whole platform is going to be, well, I don't like coal and I'm gonna go against coal, you're not going to win here for one. But then the biggest thing, and this was the one that really optimized her is, you know, you had her on the show and I don't know if people know this or not, but one of the questions asked on your show to each candidate was my suggestion. And that was about health insurance costs. And 
people not being able to afford the health insurance provided by their their employer, and then obviously not being able to get the subsidy through the healthcare marketplace because they deem that that extremely expensive and extremely bad health insurance plan is enough. So you're not going to get a subsidy. So you're just you're you're done for because your choice is going to be either take health insurance and not be able to afford certain things, or you know not take health insurance and God forbid you have to go to the doctor. Her reply to that was not, hey, let's overhaul the uh, Affordable Care Act. Let's get something done here. It was mountain medicine. Well, you know, I've lived in these Appalachians since I was a child, you know, since I was born. So that's 32 years now. I believe as much in mountain medicine as you want to say as she does. But I also know that mountain medicine isn't, isn't curing diabetes. Mountain medicine is not insulin. Mountain medicine is not curing your high blood pressure. Mountain medicine is not curing cancer. Mountain medicine is not curing all of these things. And your response to getting people health insurance so they can get into a doctor's office or into an ER and not have to worry about putting food on the table or being able to go and do that is mountain medicine. Oh, and of course, pushing more family type uh, small clinics, which, you know, if we really want to look at that, we can look at uh, in Russell County, we had that happen. And it was a extreme contributor to the opioid crisis and ended up with the small family practitioners in jail for pushing opioids. Now, we talk a lot in my classes about this race. And students have said to me, they didn't even know who Morgan Griffith was before before taking my class, like they hadn't even heard his name. And I, I can't, I'm like, what? How in the world have you not heard this name? But it's pro- it's probably because he hasn't really had a real challenger in a long time. He had Anthony Flacavento twice, but that's it really, right? And I have to wonder, we've had, we have these three candidates. We didn't even talk about Elijah because I've not really been seeing anything from Elijah, but um, I have to wonder, are people outside of my classes even talking about this race? Like, are people watching this or is it just my students? What do y'all think? Like, Caitlin, do you think people are watching? Um, I think those who have an interest in politics are watching, but I think the majority of people that I'm around, of course, me, I'm interested, you know, in real big into politics, political science. So of course I'm talking about it. I'm annoying everyone that I know. I'm like, can you believe this happened? But they don't care. Um, I think you just, you just have to have a certain care. But a lot of people think that races like this don't affect them. I know a lot of young people, you know, they're big into presidential races. They think that that is the only election that is ever going to affect them or the only one that's important, but that's not true. The, I, I think local elections or elections for Congress, Senate, those are more important. Because these are the people that are making our policy. These are the people that are deciding on it. This is what we need to be really caring about. You know, presidential race is important, but I think a big problem with young people is young people won't go to the polls for any other election besides the presidential election. Sometimes even then, I think it's a push to even go then. But other than people that just really care about politics, I don't think anybody else is talking about it. How about you, Bryson? What do you think? I think where uh, Morgan Griffith has just been in control of this district for so long that people are used to him. And I think they're sort of, they're okay with him being reelected. Um, and like we're talking about too, uh, he's not had many challengers over time. Um, and so I really think that people are sort of just okay with it and they feel that things are fine and they don't really want to see a change. 
because they're comfortable with what is what what has been. Um, and I, I know even whenever he he came down to El Dorado and was the day that I ran in or while well, I saw him there, um, there's a lot of local officials uh, and people that were there. And it was it was a fairly small gathering. And so I think that he's developed relationships with these local official, officials. And so that has really helped him uh, maintain control. Because um, if you know these people and you're here to talk to them or to help them, at least the local official wise, then it's really hard for me to see there ever being a change because um, he has these great relationships with these people that are in power already. Well, Brandon, you're not in my class. So tell me, are people talking about this that you interact with? You know, you're right. I'm not in your class. I'm a bit older than your students. You know, I'm hanging around a different group of people here. Um, for the most part, I think, I think he's actually right that people have gotten complacent with, with Griffith. The problem, though, I think, is that people aren't happy with how things are in South Coast Virginia. They're not. Um, like I said, we're, we're extremely poor. You know, gas prices right now are killing us. They're not happy with it. It's just that due to many factors outside of, of their control, an example being rural broadband um, and lack of it, you know, you're talking to a guy right here who still doesn't have internet. Thanks, point broadband. Um, your, your problem is that they're blaming the wrong person and they're thinking that, you know, nothing can be done. Um, so Griffith, you know, he runs unopposed a lot. Nobody should ever run unopposed. That's just, that's bad democracy. Um, but you have him who they're already complacent with. Um, then you have the challengers who aren't really getting out here and talking to the people. And they're also, you know, not even posting much on social media for the few people who do get the social media. Uh, we, we heard the term that posting on Facebook is not advocacy. Well, you need to go and, and reread the definition of advocacy because posting on Facebook is advocacy. And some of your um, campaign challengers obviously do that. They just aren't doing it for this district. And if you're going to get out and you're going to campaign to get people noticing this election and paying attention to this election, you need to go to more than the district chair uh, or district committee groups because these people are already invested in politics. They're part of a committee. They're paying their dues. They're giving up the right to vote for the other challenger when they sign up for these things. So um, then there's the, there's the big problem of even then you're going to things like a, a, a union picnic to talk about unions and how good they are, which, you know, if you're going out in an area like this and you start talking about unions, you're going to get people energized to vote to get a union, you know, easier unions. But if you're talking to a union already and telling them, oh, how, this is how great unions are, they already know they're part of a union. Okay, so the challengers are not doing their job correctly either. These campaigns are poorly run. And if most people aren't going to be paying attention to it because it's poorly run. They don't know these challengers. You spoke of, of the Republican um, chair saying that, uh, of Washington County, saying he didn't even know who Tasha was. So, you know, and with Elijah, he posted two or three posts on Facebook. He dropped out of the race, basically. Kimberly, um, she has a, a higher social media presence, of course, but she's a bit out there, if we're being honest. She's, she's more far right. She's to the QA non-right, you know, conspiracy theories. So they have, they, they're not going to vote in this election. And, and, you know, she's right that people are more out, more likely to vote in the presidential election. But here's the thing. Local elections, congressional elections, uh, gubernatorial elections, 
These are what matters most where you're at. Okay. And one of the things that Kimberly said was that it didn't matter that she was in Texas rather than here at first, because a Congresswoman was a national position. Okay. Who voted you there? Who got you there? Who got you there was that district, not district of Virginia. Okay. So you represent them. You may be doing things all across the country, but you represent them and you should be passing bills and voting on bills and putting forth bills based on the needs of where you come from. Yeah. And here, I mean, our poverty level, you mentioned it before, Brandon, that like we only have a few districts that are, that have lower levels. And that's, that's, or, that's I guess higher, higher levels, right. Higher levels of poverty than we do here. Um, there's, there's only a few and, and it keeps getting worse. I mean, under Griffith's leadership, we've slipped dramatically um, in terms of just our purchasing power and how, how citizens live here. And I, I hope I would love to see someone challenge him um, because competitive elections are good for democracy, but I don't see a competitive election happening here. I don't see signs. I don't see ads. I don't see posts. I don't see anything. And on it, I think I think the reason that I see what I see, of course, is that I am a political scientist and I teach these classes and all of that. But, you know, I talk to my mom and I'll say, hey, this is happening in this race. Did you hear about this? And my mom's like, no, you know, like nobody, nobody's paying attention to these other candidates. I'm paying attention and I come into class every day and I'm talking about these candidates and what they're doing and how they're reacting to things. But no one else is. And I don't see an energized electorate here. So it's actually kind of sad that it isn't, it isn't energized. Um, I'd love, I would love for the candidates to go and speak to everyone. I think that it would be awesome if they were to come to every community in Southwest Virginia and just put up things about how they're going to be here and there and everywhere come out and, or, go find people who are struggling and go talk with them about their needs. You know, in Bristol right now, we have an issue with the landfill and it's been going on for quite some time. None of these candidates, none of them are meeting with those people. And, you know, representation is really about just allowing people to be heard, feeling like somebody has your back. And I, if I were to go interview those citizens right now, so tomorrow, Saturday, they're going to hold another rally downtown. They're all going to have their signs. If I'm going to, if, if, if I went and asked them right now, who are you going to vote for? They're probably going to be like, I don't even see the point. I don't see the point voting. Why should I vote? Nobody's listening. So I think that there's a major representation problem in Southwest Virginia. Okay. We're going to stop talking now. I know that was a lot. Um, thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to all of you for being on the show. And I hope everybody has a great week.